0: I enjoy fiction. I used to write it as a hobby uh, and I used to have the habit of plowing through one or two books a week. As I've gotten older, most of my uh, literary choices, I suppose, are non-fiction. Current events and psychology, history especially, I really enjoy because it sort of reads like a bit of a fiction with history. And history is actually particularly interesting, not just because it reads like a story, but it reads like a story that we are currently a part of. We're just in the latest, we're just experiencing the latest chapter in that story. And so by extension, current events are also in their own way, like reading works of fiction. And that's especially true, I have found, if you follow current events in the United States. I don't think that's ever been any more true than it has, especially over the last year, so 2020, leading up to the uh, 46th elections. It really looked poorly written. You know, when you watch a movie, here's an example, when you watch a movie and you can see that the characters, the protagonist is going to make a terrible decision and it's an obviously terrible decision. Right? what happened, what's happening there is that the writers have most likely trapped themselves in the story. And in order to move the story along, they now have to have a character make a stupid or out-of-character decision. And this is where um, the suspension of disbelief comes in. In order for, full, well, the audience is at that point expected to suspend their disbelief to sort of just smooth over in their own minds the wrinkles in the story for the benefit of a greater immersion in the story. Writers can get away with this, storytellers can get away with this depending on how compelling their story is and of course how many times they ask you to do this. There's only so much this belief that can be suspended after all before your whole narrative starts to collapse under itself. Now, the last year in America and especially pertaining to the elections has been as baffling to watch as a uh, scantily clad blonde girl running up the stairs when she knows there's a killer in the house on the ground floor and you're staring at your screen wondering why she doesn't go outside and make a break for a neighbor's house. Because the choice to go upstairs has left her with no possible positive outcomes and you're starting to wonder, well should I really be sympathizing with this poor, doomed, ditzy girl who's apparently chosen suicide by stupid as her way out of a franchise. Now over the past year, well... It started earlier, if we're honest, but over the last year especially it's been uh, highlighted that America seems to be trying to stupid her way out of the franchise of Empire. Uh, In our scenario, America is of course the ditzy blonde, home alone. The killer in the house is the civil unrest she's desperately trying to avoid. America's political and cultural elites obviously represent the uh, writing staff who are responsible for the decisions that sometimes are questionable That require us to uh, suspend our disbelief so that we can actually buy what they're selling And what they were selling in 2020, the decision to run up the stairs as it were, was mass mail in voting Because given the context that America was in, in 2020 mass mail in voting made civil unrest civil conflict a damn near inevitability at the very least it made it inevitable that the 2020 elections would be in dispute it didn't matter who won the elections would be in dispute because criticism of the elections is one of the few bipartisan talking points in american politics today the only thing that makes it partisan is uh who feels who was rigged so who actually won right but since the run-up since the the, the, the lead up to the 2016 elections we've had Donna Brazile, Elizabeth Warren, Donald Trump himself obviously, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, all calling into question the legitimacy of some or the other aspect of the American electoral system from the electoral college to the DNC primaries and how they run all the way through to the general elections, the use of voting machines, all of this both sides in America's politics have assaulted the perception of the integrity of American elections over the last four and a half years maybe five years and when you pile on top of that the fact that these are quite easily America's most contentious modern elections and probably the most contentious elections in America's history since Abe Lincoln right you pile that on top of the doubt that Americans have already learned to have in many of their institutions such as the press which, if we're being frank, has done a terrible job of providing balanced coverage that can be trusted by a bipartisan audience looking for the truth. And what you essentially have is a situation in which no sane individual would want to overhaul the entire country's voting system on short notice. And yet that's exactly what happened. Now again, I don't want to be conspiratorial. I'm not saying there was a conspiracy to overthrow the elections. So I don't want to talk about some of the smaller plot details. You know, the missing trucks, the burst water mains, the... uh, Boarded-up windows at voting polls, polling stations. Sorry, the threatening of elected representatives, uh, the absurdly slow counting, the F-graph. I know some of these things have been debunked. Some have not really been confronted at all. And these are these are the details that make the story as juicy as it is, as as compelling as it is. And that that is part of why its larger plot points have, have been ignored. I feel because the, the the details are juicy, the details are compelling. It's like a soap opera. And in a soap opera, you stop paying attention to the broader character arcs and the grand sweeps of the plot. You you start to pay attention to some of the gossip level details, which I feel a lot of the election fraud discussion is centered around gossip level details. So in terms of the scenario laid out earlier, what I'm referring to now as gossip level details would be the minutiae of the situation that the blonde girl finds herself in. Right, she's upstairs with the killer. That's the main stuff. Those are the—that's the important plot points. That's the 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 absentee voting, <laughs> the mass mail in voting. Right, is that she ended up upstairs? The missing truck and the burst water main and the f grass. All of that. That's that's how she fights once the inevitable confrontation takes place upstairs. Once the killer finds her, does she kick? It? We know she's going to die. That's that's almost a guarantee at this point in the in the story. Just like by the time the votes were being counted in America, civil unrest was pretty much guaranteed. the killer got the girl. And if you don't believe me, just think about if Trump had won. Do you really think that the radical left would have would have responded better than the radical right to the idea that their votes had been undermined? Do you think that they wouldn't have used things like their prior accusation of Trump interfering with the u s. postal system, for example? as an excuse to to, refused to accept the legitimacy of his, his presidency and riots possibly in the Capitol, just like the right did. Last year, the radical left took over a police station and six blocks of Capitol Hill and then they patrolled it with armed thugs. The country's a powder keg and violence in the wake of the er- elections was close to inevitable, just like the girl getting killed. And what made it inevitable was going upstairs once again. And that's why that's always what I roll back to. I see all the, the discussion of election fraud. And I veer away from it because it's a very fuzzy talking point. And a pretty insignificant plot point, if we're being honest. I know it doesn't seem like it's an insignificant plot point, but I think in the grander narrative it is. Whether Lady Liberty kicks her killer in the shins or discovers a truckload of uncounted ballots before she dies is less important to the plot than the fact that she dies. So the question then, the only one that really matters, is what comes next? What happens in the next scene? What paths, what choices do the plot points that we have leave available to us? For one, there's the 30,000 National Guardsmen that have been stationed in Washington, D.C., which optically make Biden somewhat appear to be like uh, Emperor Palpatine. Lots of opportunity there to manufacture conflict with either radical lefties or radical righties or normal left or right supporters and make it look like they're extremists in the uh, follow-up news reporting. And such a confrontation would add the additional benefit of course of uh, justifying enhanced lockdowns and a further drift toward what looks like a precursor to an authoritarian police state. Then of course there's the second impeachment against Trump because the first one was such a bloody success they've decided to try it again in what appears to be a Petty move designed to do nothing but upset Trump supporters. Once again investing in tomorrow's resentment. And oddly above all, that seems to be the name of the game. The investment in resentment. Because watching American politics as much as I say it's like watching a a good old fiction is also sort of like watching the targets of American plans for regime change. We have a, a militarily occupied capital. We have millions of Americans. I think the last time I looked at the stats, it was about 75% of Republican voters, 13% of Democrat voters, and about 23% of Independent voters all felt that the election was uh, fraudulent. They might be happy that Biden won, but they still don't think he did so fairly. So while there are many who might feel that the National Guard in the uh, capital, the number, I mean it's 30,000 or 20, 25,000 troops, some people might feel that that number of national guardsmen in the capital uh, is a provides a sense of security But many others are going to look at that situation and quite reasonably wonder to themselves how it is that a Fairly elected president Needs that level of security to keep his inauguration Safe from the people that apparently elected him an impression that isn't going to be helped by the rumors Swirling around true or not. I don't know but the rumors that um. They're having to be extra careful in vetting of the guardsmen that will be protecting Biden because they're worried about Trump supporters constituting a significant portion of America's military personnel. At this point, it feels like the girl is just hiding in the study upstairs, fumbling with daddy's gun, as the killer stalks off screen, simply prepping for the little lass's last jump scare. So we can't really make predictions about the next plot point to unfold, the next twist in the tale. But what does seem to be apparent is that the decision makers, for whatever reason, are making decisions that seem specifically designed to foment unrest, to piss off Americans, to set the left and the right against one another, to set men and women against one another, to set black and white against one another. And while the Washington Post may say that democracy dies in darkness, the reality is that democracy dies in distrust darkness just happens to be a great facilitator of distrust and if neighbor cannot trust neighbor then your democracy is already dead it's just being carried by inertia and looking for a place to lay down and breathe its last